on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Apex Podcast presented by RockShock. I'm sitting here with Nina McNowski uh, from uh, Brevard University, Brevard College, I guess. That's a thing. I figured yeah. out that that's a, that's a thing when I went to Mars Hill University, and it was such a big deal that they went from a college to a university. I, I still don't understand the difference, nor is it that big of a deal for me. But anyways, <laughs> what's going on with you, Nina? Uh, nothing much right now. I'm up in Keystone, Colorado. Um, I'm doing some acclimating, getting ready for the Lead Road Mountain Bike 100, but I also think that this will be great preparation for the upcoming Pikes Peak Apex. Sweet. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, we, we're going to we're gonna dive all into that because I kind of want to know, you know, Leadville is just a whole different beast on its own, but let's go ahead and dive into a little bit about you. So let's, let's figure out where Nina becomes a cyclist and overall um, just powerhouse of a woman in the racing scene, the mountain bike scene. Yeah. So I started riding uh, super young. I grew up in New Jersey, which the riding scene there isn't the greatest, but somehow I made it happen and uh, cycling became a really big passion for me. Um, so I was looking at, places to go to college where I could continue training and racing and it happened that Brevard College had a cycling team so I was able to continue my education and my cycling there. Yeah no that's awesome so how do you get how do you even get started though in New Jersey like how does like how do you find out about mountain biking in New Jersey I don't really know of many mountains in New Jersey um, I know a few mountain bikers but again like there's not ton of pros just coming out of New Jersey. So like, how do you get started into the cycling scene in New Jersey? Yeah, so my parents, uh, they were always into the outdoors. They always took me on hikes or bike rides. And my dad was uh, starting to get into the local cross country mountain bike scene. And there is a local series that we have. And so I started in that and I was like, I want to take this seriously. And I tried out my first longer distance marathon mountain bike race and I just fell in love with it. So I knew from then on that I wanted to do those um, longer race formats. And so the rest has pretty much been history. And so now mm -hmm. you're racing for what, what sponsors? I know you, you said that you pretty much race for, uh, for the college, but like what's you, you also have like your separate sponsors that you work with, like more of like a privateer kind of situation, right? Yeah, so I would consider myself a privateer. I race for Pivot Cycles, Pearl Zumi, Cast Helmets, yeah. um, Koo Eyewear, a bunch of bunch of different brands. Um, Flow Formula is a big sponsor of mine. Cool. And so, and so, how does that like all work? Like when you were like you know getting into you know the the cycling space and trying to figure out teams and stuff like that, have you found it just to be easier just to kind of like pick up? you know, onesie and twosie sponsors here? Or are you still trying to search for that big team and try to jump over to a big team? Or like, what's that like look for you? Um, right now, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at. Um, I really like having the sponsors that I have. It really feels like a family. And I feel like also having my own sort of having a privateer life allows for a lot more freedom in the places I choose and in my training. No, that's cool. And so with, with you being in Colorado, like, let's just go ahead and turn here. What, what other racing have you done this season? Like, do you race gravel as well? Do you race, are you just only on the mountain bike or what's, 
what's kind of been your overarching season goal as this privateer and this program goes? Yeah, so I have been doing a lot more gravel racing this season with Gravel Locos in Texas, Elgin Waffle Ride Asheville, and I also attempted Pro Tan Buck 50. Um, okay. That was really early this season. Um, and I'm really trying to get to those longer distance, uh, like 150 mile gravel races. Although I think that I'm still at that 100 mile um, distance. Uh, that's more comfortable for me still. Yeah, yeah, no, for um, sure. But my biggest goal this season has been Leadville. Since I got in earlier this year, I've just been stoked about it. And all my focus has been to Leadville. Yeah, and so what is what does the prep look like? Because like you're you're in the mountains of you know North Carolina, which you know Brevard, I guess it's pretty much Asheville, North Carolina mm-hmm. is like the best way to put it. And I would say you're probably at at least a thousand feet in elevation. Um, yeah, maybe in the town of Brevard, I think that we're at. 3,000. Okay. Um, and then the top of the uh, Blue Ridge Parkway, it gets up there like to five or 6,000. But even that is not very high when you talk about racing at Leadville, that's like over 10,000. Like Pikes yeah. Peak Apex is all over like 7,000. Yeah. So um, Pikes Peak Apex, you'll probably be racing the majority of, like you'll start the day at about 6,500. And then you'll be racing anywhere from seven to eight to even nine thousand mm-hmm. feet. I mean, if they do rampart again, that'll go up to nine thousand feet. Yeah. So how do you how do you even prep for that? Like, you know, back in Brevard, like how are, and obviously you're in Keystone, Colorado right now, but how are you prepping? Mm-hmm. How did you prep for it before you headed out to Colorado? So I might be a little biased here, but I think that the riding in Brevard, North Carolina is the best on the East Coast. I mean, we have tons of gravel roads, tons of mountain bike trails, some really gnarly mountain bike trails as well. Earlier this year, I did the Pacific Age Race, um, which was five days um, of mountain biking in Pisgah National Forest. And I feel like, well, that was my first uh, mountain bike stage race. And so going into it, I didn't really know what to expect. But after I raced that, I was sort of on this uh, stage racing high and I've been itching to do another stage race since then. So I feel like it's a format that really suits me and that experience at the Pisgah stage race earlier this season was a really good idea of what what hap- what goes down in stage racing and how my body reacts to it. Yeah, and so what about the stage racing though that like that kind of drew you to it? And I mean, you know, you know, we're you know, we have 4 days of pretty pretty stout racing on tap but what about the stage racing do you feel like is a big key and a big bonus to you um i like that consistency is ultra important in it you can't just do really well in the first stage and then be too cracked to even finish the rest of the stages um just keeping in mind uh that you're you're playing a long game here and not getting hurt not breaking your bike uh, taking care of your bike after every stage, all those things are super crucial. Um, you know, eating well after every day. Um, I like that you have to kind of think about the days that are coming up and not just think about the race uh, that day. Yeah, and so for a race like, let's just dive into the Pisgah stage race. So for a race like Pisgah, like how did you, how did you even like prep, like or not not prep, but like how did you 
more or less like decide like okay on stage one i'm gonna do x on stage two i'm gonna do y like how do you how do you go about that like do you look at the profiles are you looking at the distances like what's what's the big deal with them yeah well i i was already pretty familiar with all of the trails um for every day since i had been living there for almost two years going to college there and so I, ha- I had already ridden most of the trails but i did go back and pre-ride a lot of it especially those enduro stages um like pilot and then it's gap which are notorious for being super gnarly and i feel like that really gave me a lot of confidence um yeah. i did look a lot at the elevation profiles and kept that in mind for pacing um i also look at what, what where the aid stations were and um like how to feel properly for the day. Um, I also had to really take into account uh, how much hike a bike sections there were in every stage because uh, when you have to do a hike a bike, that takes a much bigger toll on your body than if you could just ride it. Um, yeah, for sure. So, for example, on stage four, I knew that the hike a bike was just before the enduro, which was at the end of the race. So I sort of left enough in the tank that I would be able to basically sprint up that hill, uh, carry my bike and finish off the stage, stage strong. No, that's exciting. And so like, I guess my thing is for you, it's like, uh, have you ever done Leadville before? I have not. No. So, so do you have a time goal in mind? And if you do, like, I think, I think this is really interesting, especially for the women. Like, you know, I coach a few women and you know, the, the time goals and the time gaps are, um, they can be a bit difficult. And so like they, you know, I have, I have one female who's like, you know, obviously their goal is to go under nine, but that is a little bit more stout for somebody, you know, Mm -hmm. at the master's level. And then that is a female. And so what is your, what is your necessary time goal, I guess, going into Leadville? Yeah. So right now I'm setting a goal of sub 10 hours. Okay. Um, Obviously, it would be nice to go under nine, yeah. but I try to be a little bit more realistic and prepare for, basically prepare for the worst, prepare for a full day on the saddle, um, and bring extra gear, extra nutrition than I might yeah. And so are you, like, planning out your stops? Are you planning out, you know, what do you, like, what what is going into planning to get you to 10 hours, right? Like, because, you know, mm-hmm. we look at you as a professional female athlete, and the big belt buckle lies at nine hours, like Mm -hmm. just under nine hours. And so where are you getting to the conclusion of 10 hours? So based off of previous uh, mountain bike races I've done, I've done a lot of of the um, NAD races and the 100 mile mountain bike race I did in the past was the Shenandoah 100. I know that course is much gnarlier uh, much more technical, a little bit more climbing. So just based off of those previous statistics, um, I think that I can definitely average more than 10 miles per hour on the Leadville course, um, yeah. considering that it's so much gravel. Um, but I'm also, you know, I'm, I'm also being strategic with my bike setup, um, with where I, where I get aero, where I draft. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have support from pro formulas out on the course, handing me bottles. So I won't have to carry a panel box per se, um, yeah. which can add a lot of weight and also create a lot of fatigue on my back. Yeah. And so when you're training 
for these big events. And this has been like the big thing, like the big conversation of like, I ask all the pros, I'm like, if you could give one bit of advice to some athletes coming in and the common, the common denominator, what we're coming back to is food, like eat, mm -hmm. eat, 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 oh, yeah. and like eat as much as you can. If you feel like you've eaten enough, just eat a little bit more has been like the common go-to. So with you, like, how are you laying out your nutrition strategy? Obviously with flow formulas and, and, and diving into that, but how do you plan out per hour? And then on top of that, what I've realized, and even like, well, let's start with that. Let's start with that. And then we'll go to my next question, but let, yeah. So how are you sitting down and going, okay, I need this amount of carbs. I need these specific carbs. Like, is it going to be all liquid? Is it going to be some solids? Like, what's it going to look like? Yeah. So for, when, when you're doing a ride or race where you're getting into that 10 hour range, you know, eight, eight to 10, 12 hour range, that's a long day. And sure. I, I've, from personal experience, just hammering down the gels yeah. and, you know, the, the liquid sugar is, is not going to be sustainable. Like you're going to yeah. get sick of it. You're going to be craving some solid foods. Um, so I think what I'm going to try to do is pace myself in a way that I'll be able to digest some, you know, simple fruit and nut bars, um, maybe some, some fig cookies, um, just some, some solid foods so that I don't get sick of that just sugary sweet taste in my mouth. Yeah. And so like, are you, are you laying it down carbohydrate per hour? Like, how are you, like, what's that look like? How many carbs are you taking in per hour? So I think, so if I do three scoops of flow formula per bottle that I usually do three scoops if I'm doing a higher intensity, um, race, but for something like Leadville, I will drop it down for like, to like two scoops per bottle. So I think that's like 60 grams of carbs per bottle and I'll be drinking one bottle per hour. Yeah. Um, that's the goal. But realistically, I know that I always drink less than that. Um, yeah. Especially if it's cold in the morning, I won't be wanting to reach for, uh, for that water. Um, so I supplement with a gel an hour and then every two to three hours, I'll be taking in some sort of solid, solid food. So like a Lara bar or a fig bar. Wow. And so like, if we look at that 10 hours, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to write it down just so we can do some math here. So we do, we're at 600 grams of carbohydrate at least. Um, mm -hmm. and then if you add on to it, you're saying a gel per hour too, right? So that's, yeah. you know, another at least 250 grams of carbohydrate, um, every two ish hours, just yeah. for the ease of the math. Um, we're taking in another 40 grams of carbohydrate. So five times 40 is another 200 grams of carbs. So around about we're taking in looks to be 1050 in carbohydrate. That's insane. Yeah. Like, yeah. and so, is, uh, I mean, I've, I've had a lot of like issues with nutrition in the past and it's, it's taken a lot of of testing and uh, so many races where nutrition went wrong for me to finally learn what worked for me. Um, I think that the altitude is definitely a, a huge confounding factor with nutrition because your appetite is lower at altitude and I think that you do burn more calories. Yeah, so, heart rate's higher, burning more calories, right. burning less oxygen, yeah. 
So like you said, like, even if you feel like you don't need an extra gel that hour, you should probably take it. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And so like, how do you like, and you made a great point, because like at Leadville, I did the the classic no no last year of um, I did the classic no no of trying new, new, uh, new nutrition. And I'm not going to yeah. name them because I think they're a great <laughs> nutrition company. And um, I got super sick and I literally just went straight liquid. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I took in close to 2000 grams of carbohydrate for the eight hours and 40 minutes. Um, and yeah, I got really, really sick because it was just like straight sugar gut. And mm-hmm. so how do you train the body and like what's some tips on to train the body to be able to absorb that kind of nutrition? Yeah, so I especially recently, I've been going on these four hour rides, five hour rides, you know, these, these interval sessions. And instead of, you know, instead of being like, oh, you know, I had a big breakfast, I can probably make it um, to lunch or, you know, this, this will hold me through my intervals. I mimic exactly what what I'm going to use on race day um, in my training. So I'll put the same amount of scoops in my bottles, you know, take a gel an hour, take that bar every two to three hours. And I feel like that's really the only way to get used to it and to know if that will work for you. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's awesome. And so like, I think the big thing is here guys is like, if you're going to test some things out, make sure you're doing it a couple weeks prior, make Mm -hmm. sure you're doing it on one of those good long training rides, getting ready for the event. So then that way, you know how your body's going to respond, you know, what's going to back up and then that way you don't get sick day off and nothing crazy happens. And then, so yeah, with, uh, with Leadville behind, behind us, so are you just going to stay in Colorado for that whole time? Are you going to head home, go back to school? Like what's this look like? So ideally I would stay in Colorado at elevation. Um, but my fall semester is starting up and I will be participating in my college team races. Okay. Um, because I'll be doing, I'll probably be doing collegiate nationals in October. So I have to be at least at four out of six of those races. Um, so mid September, I'll, you know, I'll be racing college races every, every weekend. And then I'll be taking that week off to fly out to Colorado Springs and race the Pike Week event. Sweet. And so what, what do you study at Brevard? So I'm double majoring in exercise science and health science. Oh, wow. And so like, what is your, what is your overall end goal with that? I mean, right now I really have my eyes set on becoming a nutritionist or a registered dietitian. Yeah. Although I am uh, working with some new companies learning their social media. Um, so I've got some side gigs going on and so far um, I enjoy what I'm doing. So I think I'll just see what happens and go with the flow and um, just see when new opportunities arise. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Trust me. The social media marketing stuff is dope. It's dope. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. That's I love it. And it's, it's a good time. Um, you know, I'm biased though. Yeah, you meet so many awesome people. Yeah, yeah, you meet so many awesome people, you have fun. And then like on top of all that, and I, I mean, you do as a nutritionist too, and like as a cycling mm-hmm. coach and all that other stuff, it's great. But like doing, doing some of the social media stuff, creating content is a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, but anyways, diving back into, um, you know, that, like, how do you find the balance to train like a professional athlete, and then also double major while at school. And then on top of that, you're running your your you know your team 
you also have to be a component of your college team. And so you're playing mm -hmm. two schedules here. And so how do you find that balance? Yeah, so, I mean, I feel like it kind of just all falls into place, luckily. I mean, yeah. I, I try to choose my classes strategically so that I either have time to train in the morning or the afternoon, or, you know, I usually want to do one um, long ride a week. So I'll, I'll see where I can where I can have more classes for one day. Yeah. Um, and Brevard College is pretty flexible with uh, training and racing, um, especially if they know that you're on the cycling team, which they've had great success in the past. They want you to, to continue succeeding and to be uh, a good representation of the college and the team. Um, so, for example, you know, I'll say like, hey, I have to have to fly off to, Colo to Colorado and my teachers will usually, um, you know, grant me some sort of uh, like virtual um, like class or they'll record it for me and, and they'll be very flexible with that. Wow, that's awesome. So it's pretty much like a whole whole family affair. It's like a team affair kind of thing. Like they yeah. make sure that you're able to do these things for your team and make sure you're able to do these things for yourself, which is, is super cool. And so have you ever been to Colorado Springs? I have not, no. You've never been to Colorado Springs. You've never read anything in Colorado Springs. So I can't ask you anything about, you know, food and all that crazy stuff of what you would enjoy in Colorado Springs. So that being said, what I can ask you is, is do you have any crazy epic stories of like ones, I don't know, from an epic ride or an epic adventure where you were just like, I might not make it out of this one. Like we all have, we all have those wild stories where it's like, oh man, I'm stuck here. And do you have any of those? Well, I have a, a crazy animal story. Okay. Um, so this was in 2019. I was out in the panhandle of Texas with my dad. Uh, we were there for Marathon Mountain Bike Nationals. Yeah. And this was actually the day after the race. Uh, we were like, you know, we have another day or two here. Like, we might as well go explore and ride our bikes. Um, so we went to a trail system at uh, Taplock Canyon. Yeah. And we saw, we were just riding along, you know, it's just like pouring in really fast, like going down these trails, like ripping. And we saw some like hoof prints in the, in the dirt. And my dad was like, you know, if, if we see some horses up ahead, like we'll, we'll deer them right out of the way. Like we shouldn't, you know, ride around these corners so fast. We really don't want to like run into somebody. Yeah. And so we kept going and going. And then suddenly we just like, grabbed on the brakes stopped and there was just this bison like head lowered like ready to charge oh man and that was the last thing that i expected to be out there i had never encountered such a big animal um yeah. <laughs> out riding <laughs> and i i like i could feel the tears coming because i thought I, like it was gonna charge and yeah. it was gonna like run it was game us. over yeah yeah, so, you know, we started backing away slowly, and we kind of, like, moved off the trail and, like, kind of stood behind some trees with, like, our bikes in front of us, because, you know, maybe if it, like, ran into us, it would hit our bikes, like. Yeah, <laughs> um, maybe you would be able to stop this several-ton beast. From right, maybe. You. Yeah, just maybe. Um, pivot cycles, yeah. guys, pivot cycles. They stopped, <laughs> they stopped the bison for you. I so. will tell you, it did stop a dump truck last year. What? But, How did that yeah. happen? So there uh, we go. Here's another story. Yeah. See, this um, is what happens. You tell one story and then you're like, oh, yeah, the dump truck. Yeah. You kind of get reminded of some other things. Um, yeah. 
so last year I was um, I was riding before North Carolina, which you know there were a ton of cyclists there. I I, I actually grew up in New Jersey, so yeah. Um, you know, relatively to New Jersey, the riding of art is like super safe on the road. Yeah. Um, and I just, you know, came around a turn, was going down a road and in the right lane, in the right shoulder and a dump truck, um, jerked the wheel to the left and just like hit me straight on. Um, so, you know, my bike and I, we went flying like 15 feet onto the pavement. I, I just had severe road rash. Luckily I didn't break any bones but you know if you think about the combined impact I was going about 20 the dump truck was going about 30 um my bike was just you know cracked in multiple places my frame took all of the hit and I came out you know walking alive so instead of taking the pit like the classic helmet photo you can like take the the pivot photo and be like yeah this is 50 miles an hour of impact (laughs) yeah (laughs) my helmet was pretty my helmet was pretty done as well, and so was my kit and all. But um, well, I'm glad you came out safe on that one. So last last question before I let you roll: what's like, what's a few things that you're stoked about, like coming to the Apex? Like you've never been to the Apex. Why are you coming to the Apex? And uh, yeah. yeah, what's a few things you're looking forward to? So I mean, I already had it on my calendar um, yeah. because I saw um, Emily Warner's video on nutrition for the Apex. Oh, okay. And I saw she was going, and I I, I follow her. And I, I did want to do another stage race this year, but I didn't know where it would fit into my calendar. And I, you know, initially I was like, you know, collegiate race season, September, it's going to be a no-go for any other races. But when I was given this opportunity and, and I heard about how, how awesome of an event is and who's going, I just, I got so stoked and I was like, I need to go to this. Sweet. Now, well, Nina, we're stoked to have you coming to the Apex and we can't wait to see you. And Hopefully you have a great time at Leadville. And I, I have a good feeling that your 10 hour mark might be a little high and we'll see you show up with a big belt buckle. Um, I'm, I'm feeling, so. I'm, I'm throwing out the big belt buckle vibes and I'm the worst when it comes to being a coach in that sense. Like I'm way, like when it comes to Leadville, I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic, mm-hmm. but when it comes to Leadville, I'm like, I'm like, yo, and, and realistic actually to be, to be said. When it comes to Leadville, I, I want everybody to try to fight for that big belt buckle if they can. Yeah. It's a cool feeling. And so, yeah, we wish you the best of luck on that. Um, other than that, guys, uh, if you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure you go check out Nina and all her social media handles down in the description below, Nina Machina. And, uh, yeah, other than that, if I don't see you next time, we'll see you in September at the Apex. Thanks, guys.